Thank you, thank you so much. Remind us that we live in a land that under persecution ever since the establishment of this nation because it's one nation under God. And a country that's under God is a country that's gonna have big time problems because there's an enemy out there that wants to stamp out God. The same enemy that would like to stamp out every believer, that's you and me. We don't wanna just gloss over that and say, oh yeah, we know that, but that's a fact. Well, today is the story, I like stories. Do you all like stories? Because the Bible is full of stories. And um, over the years, those stories have come to serve us well if we glean what the story is about. Sometimes in a story, we tend to focus in or hone in on some uh, part of that story that um, either surprises us or uh, something we question, did that really happen? And we miss the point of the story. Moses, uh, I got I to get up here real gently. Like Moses was not the most genteel man in the world. Uh, uh, he carried a big stick with him called a staff. And I thought that would be a good stick there. I have another one over there too if I need it. But I thought I would just tell you the story as I read it in the scriptures. I'm not going to go reading the whole scripture. We'd be here till 3 o'clock if I read everything in the Old Testament and knew about Moses. So I'll kind of give you a John Bryant version. And uh, if you want to correct my theology, I'm open to that. I've been corrected for 50 years. I, I'm, I'm not... Moses uh, started out being born. He had a mother. Most of us started out the same way. See, this is where you don't want to differentiate yourself from the story because so often we think of characters in the Bible, the heroes of the Bible, as so much different than we are. Uh, we do the same thing with Jesus Christ. He was a baby. He needed his diaper changed. You get my point. Well, anyway, Moses, Moses was born under terrible conditions in the land of Egypt. The Israelis uh, had been slaves there for many years. There were at least 600,000 Israeli men, not counting the women and children. So I figure there's around a million people down there enslaved, maybe a little over a million. So Moses was born, and the Pharaoh in Egypt saw all these Hebrews out there, and he thought, oh, politically, there's too many of them. They could overrun us. We got to cut the numbers down. Might sound like the U.S., oh, I don't want to say it, but so <laughs> Pharaoh said, we will have every newborn Israeli male killed. How'd you like to have that happen, you know? Sounds like, uh, well, anyway, Moses was born and his mother was so petrified uh, that they were gonna kill him 
So she hid him. And for three, four months she hid him and she, she couldn't hide him anymore. So she put him in a little basket or boat kind of thing in that nasty Nile, oh, I didn't say that, in the Nile River and he floated away. Now that's the story. Can you imagine a mother doing that? I can't. That's what the story says. So, so Moses floating down the river on a Sunday afternoon and a beautiful Egyptian princess, I guess she would be a prince or a queen was out there. I guess she might have been the queen. She saw, ah, look, it's a baby. She didn't have a baby. She rescued him. She knew he was an Israelite. She rescued him and she couldn't nurse him. So she hired one of the Israeli women to nurse him and guess who that was? His mama. You couldn't have a better story than this, could you? So, now, so Moses is being raised in the Pharaoh's palace and he grew up there and he, they took a shine to him. They loved him. They, they, they had a respect for him. They put him in some powerful positions. But Moses knew he was an Israelite. He didn't forget who he was. Sometimes we who believe we so-called Christians, we forget who we are. We need to remember always who we are. I know we have some things that bother us, but Moses did too. Moses, he's a murder, he murdered a guy down there. He saw some Egyptian beating one of the Israeli slaves, and he went over and looked around, boom, took him out, buried him in the sand. But Another Israeli, betrayed by his own people, says, I know what you did, I know what you did. Moses thought he was going to be discovered. He goes out in the wilderness and hangs out for 40 years. So I figure he must be about 60, 65 years old at that time. He married a couple women out there. He liked them duo, and he had some, some kids. Great story. Read it. I mean, it make, makes good, good, good story. So while he's out there in the desert, he's living pretty good. He's got some good lamb and goat and whatever else they eat. And he's out there one day looking at the animals and this bush, I think of it as one of those tumbleweed bushes, catch, it caught on fire. He looked around to see if it was lightning, it caught on fire and he stopped. It got his attention, and they heard this voice. Hey, Moses. <laughs> Moses. Moses is worried. It was God. <laughs> this story gets better all the time. God said, Moses, you got to get, I got a job for you. You got to get my people out, out of this mess down here. They're the, they've been here for years and years, and it's time to, to free them. Get them out. Moses said, what? God said, Moses, you will set my people free. And Moses said, me? Lead the people out? God, I'm not a leader. Shoot, I got an inferiority complex. I, I, I can't do that. Sounds like some of you folks out there, doesn't it? Inferiority complex. I can't do that. God, you, God's persistent. He just didn't say a word. Moses said, I, 
I can't speak. I can't speak well. You got to, to be a leader over me and people, you got to be able to, eloquent speech. God said, never mind. Your brother Aaron will take care of that. He's a good speaker. Oh, Moses thinking he's got to try to make more excuses. He's trying to figure it out. He said, well, God, <clears throat> I just don't want to. <laughs> Finally, Moses relented and said, okay, because God was saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of things. You don't have to worry. Okay, God, I'll do it. <clears throat> so, now you gotta, I'm, I'm putting a lot together here. There's a lot to read there. In Egypt, old Pharaoh, he was thinking, huh, I'm making a lot of money here. I'm doing good. All these slaves, it's a great production, blah, blah, blah. So God says, Moses, I'll take care of things. The plagues began to come on Egypt. See what happens when you're, you're not really in there with God, there's things happen. The plagues came. First the blood, the water, now turned, now turned into blood, the water. That's scary, isn't it? Jeez. If I looked at her in Lake Conway, I'm on a jet ski and it turns to blood. I'm, it's got my attention, turned to blood. Good story. Then these frogs started coming down from wherever. Frogs all over the place. And then famine because the locusts ate up all the vegetation. I mean, when you're hungry, you're, you're thirsty because it's all bleeding. You can't drink that stuff. And then you begin to itch. Itch. And these big boils come up on your skin, this white, you know, I don't want to go into it, too much information. <laughs> And the whole country is suffering. And Pharaoh said, we've had enough. Let's get rid of this blight on our nation. Let them go. Let them out of here. That's all Moses wanted to hear. Moses came in and tried to organize as best he could. And they took off for the promised land. <laughs> Don't you love this story? They're going to the promised land. All right. So they're on the way to the promised land. God's promised to take care of them all they need to walk along. You know, man, we're, blah, blah, we're, they're a bunch of griping Hebrews, like a bunch of griping Christians here. <laughs> they're griping. We don't have enough to drink. We don't have enough water. We're really so God said, Moses, strike the rock and get, get them some sweet water. They had water, but it didn't suit them. They wanted sweet water. You know, they wanted it from Fiji. They didn't want it out of, well. <laughs> so Moses took his staff or stick of bam, hit the rock and the sweet water came, and they're all happy. Yay! A fountain that never stops. So they're happy a little while. Pretty soon they said, we're hungry. We don't know what we're going to eat. We don't know what we're going to eat. So God came through again. And there came a Chick-fil-A on every corner for a million people. <laughs> And they got tired of chicken. They called them dove. I like that Chick-fil-A too, don't you? You get tired of Chick-fil-A. Well, so next, next problem coming along. We've been out here too long. They're 40 years there 
you know, hoofing it up. That's, that's kind of a long journey, isn't it? And we think 400 miles or 4,000 miles, 40 years. They're heading to the promised land. God said, Moses, you're going you're gonna to succeed. Well, on their way out, even prior to the Chick-fil-A problem and the water problem, they had a big water problem. It's called the Red Sea. Off the story. The Red Sea is a body of water over there about seven miles wide. Kind of deep, too, out there. And they had to cross that to get over to, toward the Promised Land. So they're walking along, and they come out, and they see this, and, oh, by the way, guess what? Pharaoh was fickle like any politician sometimes. He's fickle. He backtracked. The economist said, what have you done? You sent away all our labor. Who's going to do the work down here? We're not going to do it. You just let a million workers head out. He said, let's go get them. So he got the army together, the chariots, and he said, get them. Chariots are coming after him. Moses had spies. They knew what was going on. So he said, we got to cross that water. And the people said, oh, we can't swim. We can't swim. And we'll never get around. They're going to get us. Here goes the story again. I need some volunteers. Come on up here, volunteers, please. I've asked these volunteers to, to have a card. Remember Pastor Scott? He likes cardboard. I thought I would honor Pastor Scott today and try some of his cardboard. Show and tell, the best, one of the best ways to learn. All right, they're up against this body of water. They don't know what to do. It's a barrier. They know if they get through that, they got a good chance to have a great life, a happy life, a prosperous life, most of all, a free life, but they're not there yet. What to do? Sounds like you and me, doesn't it? We're in this life right now. We have barriers that keep us from really totally enjoy life. What are they? Well, here's some we've listed. Hopelessness. Some, sometimes things get so ridiculous we just give up. It's, it's kind of hopeless. Have you prayed and prayed and prayed about a healing or whatever is going on, maybe a family member, a situation, and you just finally say, it's hopeless. That's a, the rough feeling. That is a terrible feeling. That's a barrier. What's the next one? Oh! <laughs> you ever been ashamed? I was ashamed once. You'd like to know why, wouldn't you? I'm not going to tell you. 
I confess my sins to God. You confess yours too. But we've all been in a sense of shame. And shame can cripple us and render our witness for the Lord weak. Shame. We can't get over it. It's almost like this next one. Fear. Crippled by fear. I don't know. You know, we don't know what tomorrow may hold, do we? But I'm not afraid because I can't do anything about it. Think about your own fears. What's the next one? Oh. (laughs) You don't have an inferiority complex, do you? You know, Pastor Scott eloquently described this a couple or three weeks ago when he was talking about people walking in the favor of God and being chastised and and criticized because of envious people who are envious of those that God favors. Those people with an inferiority complex will never ever enjoy a moment in this life because they feel that they're not worthy. They they chastise themselves all the time. And they don't feel that their worth is where it should be. That's a sad place to be. I don't know whether you're there or not, but I hope you're going to get out of there today. What's the next one? Ooh, guilt. (laughs) How many have never felt guilt in your life? I don't have to say any more about that one. There we go again. Envy is a debilitating, uh, I think, inner feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a spirit, what it is. A spirit of envy looks around with that eye all the time. Proverbs has a lot to say about that. Be satisfied with what you have and know that God will prosper you and give you more if you follow the precepts that God has laid forth in his word. What the devil steals from you seven times, more times, God will restore. Rather than sit around and, and, and you know, groan and moan and, and go over in your mind how you lost all this, remember, and then envy someone else. That's, that's what happens. God's going to restore it. What's the next one? Oh, yes, unforgiveness. I wonder if you could really honestly say before God this morning, there isn't one person that I can think of that I have not forgiven. Or is there a person that I have this awful negative feeling about and I haven't forgiven them? If you do, I'll remind you that that is a cancer to your emotional well-being and maybe your physical well-being. Unforgiveness. You need to get rid of it. What's the next one? Oh! Again, who has not been angry? Do you get angry? What do you get angry about? The Bible says we shouldn't be quick to take offense But if you're going to be angry, and you will be, be angry about something 
that is good. Be angry that there's homeless people out here on the street. Be angry that all the thousands that we saw on the video were, they lost their lives in, in, in senseless wars. Wars. I wouldn't go into the politics of war, but when you see war, you just, ah, all those lives that are lost. You know, they weren't lost for nothing. They were fighting for a cause, but it still gets you right here when you see the number of people who died and you get angry. What's the next one? Okay. You like that? What's the next one over there on the end? Ha! Regret. That, that's a real killer, regret. I regret. I, I, I talked to some person the other day, and they constantly go over in their mind what could have been. I've talked to preachers who've been in the pulpit 20, 30 years, and they're, they're now wanting to get out because they go over in their minds all the things they could have done. They got their eyes on some successful pastors, and it, it just cripples them. Regret. Not good. Bad. Back to blank. He doesn't look like a blank to me, does you? I mean, that guy can preach. He's a great counselor. And he's a pretty good technician getting my uh, weekly uh, <laughs> midweek power-ups. That blank is for you and me. Put your barrier in there. What's keeping you from really living uh, a totally enjoyable life? And what's keeping you from being a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ that he's called us all to be? You can use the excuses that Moses used initially, but God took care of all those, so we have no excuse. But I like this. I love it. When I read that story about Moses and God said, Part the waters. And those barriers parted. These barriers are going to part. And I'd like for you to just put in your mind right now, I'm not going to ask you to stand or raise your hand, anything like that, but in your own mind, identify with regret, anger, or forgiveness, unforgiveness, envy, guilt, an inferiority complex, fear, shame, or hopelessness, or put your own in for the blank. Would you do that? Do that. This can be freeing. You know how they teach young children show and tell time and how kids never forget that, they learn from that? We adults, we have to come sometimes to a biblical truth, a spiritual truth, as little children. And that's the way we come now to this demonstration. As Moses came up, and we bring all of our guilt, our envy, our anger, our unforgiveness, our inferiority complex, our regret, we bring it before the Lord. And the Lord says, strike that thing down and break up, break up, water, depart. And the water, the waters did that. It's a great story, isn't it? I actually believe it happened that way. I don't have any doubts. Thank you. 
Moses, the hero of the faith, because in spite of his human frailties and weaknesses, he believed and he obeyed God. He was a humble man. He had all the uh, weaknesses that we possess, all of them. But because he used that ounce of trust in God, he was a hero and he was successful. I don't think that we need to get a bush that catches on fire to get our attention. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to people right here, right now. And I'm not sure how God wants to deal with what's going on in your family, in your life. But if you've suffered and are suffering from any of these, I'm going to pray a prayer of deliverance right now. And if you just raise your hands to the Lord, you give it up. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will deliver my sister and my brother here today of this evil that lurks in their system that keeps you from being free to work in their life, that keeps them from enjoying life in total. I pray that prayer not only for myself, but for every person here. Be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're going to have a good day today and a good week. And you're going to remember the story, right? What are you going to remember about today? That I mentioned there were Chick-fil-A's out there in that desert? I hope not. Would you stand? God, I thank you that you brought us through a, a wild year. And I pray for every person under my voice, those watching on the, the internet, that you will bless them and their family with a powerful sense of your presence and a reminder that you are in charge and you'll take care of business. So I speak prosperity to you and your family. I speak confidence and hope and deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave here today blessed with prosperity in every facet of your life and above all being blessed with a fresh anointing of the love of God. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a great Memorial Day. God bless. Mm -hmm. <laughs>